Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to... No, not We Are Doomed. Who am I kidding? This is Zeo. Thank you once again for joining us for Zeo. I am Cole. I am the Green Ranger. I'm Robert. I'm the Red Ranger. Tyler. Tyler. Rob, where's Tyler? I only hear the echo. Why am I not surprised? Yep, and looking looking over at his desk, all I see are My Little Ponies and his Keyblades, so I don't think he's showing up today. Yeah, you're right, There's one of the Keyblades is missing off his wall. Oh god, what's it going off to fight this time? (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's just you and me. Yes, yes it is. Oh joy. God help us. Yeah, God help us all. No, okay, so what do you want to talk about? I don't know, I want to eat this cookie. Hmm, okay. Well... How about this? I bring up a talk. I, there is something that's interesting today. Um, just extremely recently. Um, Kingsman, the, the Golden Circle has come out. It was good. Oh, you've, oh yeah, right. Yeah, I'm not surprised you've seen this. <laughs> Podcast press credentials. I still haven't Fuck realized you. that we have like... Well, actually, no, we, we found out we did have listeners. Yeah, apparently. Like, yeah, we, we haven't put anything on Facebook or any of the social media platforms because we wanted to make sure that everything is working properly first. And I'm just going and looking through the analytics because now we can do that. And I'm like, wait, what? What the fuck is this? Why do we have viewers and listeners in Japan? What? Japan, the United States, Canada. It's like, what? what oh, where? Canada, the Canada might be me. No, no, it's it's more than just one person. I mean, ho- hold on a second here. I'm going to go pull up the latest information as of the time of this recording. Hmm, interesting. But anyway, so I've been looking forward to seeing Kingsman 2 ever since I heard that it was coming out. And I personally adored the first one. The first one was just a nice surprise. And it's rare that I, I can know, go and I say know. that... And it's rare that I can go and say that a film's best and worst qualities were the fact that it's very offensive, and it's very offensive. I know, right? I personally love the fact, like, and and it also showed a completely different part of a couple different actors. Specifically, Samuel L. Jackson. I've never seen him play that type of character of a that uh, that I can uh, that I can certainly agree with there. That was uh, that was different. I personally adored it. It was awesome. And can going from there, um, like so, tell like what did you think of of uh, Golden? Okay, so I, I do want to say this here because I really did like this film. It does live up to the. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> It does live up to the original, but it's not without its flaws. I do have to make that point. It definitely feels like a Hollywood, you know, this one was a success. We need to make a sequel kind of movie, but it hits all the right notes on there. It's, it's kind of like Wayne's world two in an extremely violent way. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Cause the way that I kind of heard about like, I've heard a couple of reviews of things like, and it's not, they're not horrible or anything, but the way that I'm seeing it is that like, Oh, um, the last movie kind of, it was nice. It was out of the box. And it was like, now this one's turning towards more towards uh, James Bond. I, I would definitely say that that's 
true there. I, I think part of it is, unlike the first one where there was some shock value to some of the moments... Uh, I have to admit, they. I'm sorry. I have to admit the bar scene, like both of them, the first one, the original bar scene or pub scene, and the one at the very, very end. I love that so much. Yeah, I mean, just from that trailer or from the trailer for the original one, you could definitely tell that this was a different kind of movie. And God damn it, why is everybody trying to get a hold of me now? <laughs> sorry, everybody, for all these beeps, tones, and messages on here. I didn't realize we got cell reception here in the void. Uh, anyway, I think Tyler set up a tower randomly. He wanted to play multiplayer. Oh God, fucking damn it! Tried to go and keep this professional, professional Tyler, professional. Either either <laughs> that or it's McKenna's new stream setup. I don't know. Oh, that's possible too because she is going to start doing cosplay streams, isn't she? Uh, God damn it! I should have seen that coming. Should have seen that coming. Yeah, that's your own fault. You you open the hole. Yeah. Ignoring that. Yes. Uh, anyway, um, back to the yeah, attempt at professionalism. Uh, the first one was just such a nice surprise. Just the first trailer for that one, I actually think was one of the best trailers for a movie that's oh, come God, out yes. in the recent era. Just because it told you everything about the film, but it told you nothing of what was in it. Exactly. Like, and I can easily say though that that particular movie—I never got a chance to see it in theaters, but as soon as I came on television, like I think it came on TV at one point, and I was like, or it was either that or it was on Netflix at some point. I can't remember. I, it, it's been on a few different television channels. I mean, I saw it on FX a couple of months ago, so it might yeah. have been on Canadian Netflix at some point as well. I can't remember, but anyways, I watched it as soon as I could because it was amazing, and I just watched it. I'm like. And and the thing I appreciate the most, especially in, in movies, like I'm a huge Jackie Chan film fan. And from that, I've developed a great love for traditional um, Eastern uh, martial arts um, um, photo- uh, movies, essentially, and how they do how they've done their scenes for a long time. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, totally understand. Um, and for those that don't, don't understand, the difference between Eastern and Western when it comes to action scenes is that in when you look at a Western scene, I'll, I'll use uh, John Wick for that for an, exa- for an example. In the mo- in one of the in the first movie, there is a scene where like there's there's a fist fight, and whenever a a hit is about to be done, like say if someone gets punched in the face or punched in the chest. Every time that you see a big punch or, or a kick or something like that, you never actually see the actual hit. Am I right on that, t- um, Robert? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, well, and usually it's a quick, a quick change of um, a quick, a quick camera change, or it's a, it's a jump. Where when you look at it, at Asian films, especially martial arts films from China and from Japan. You will always see, like, you'll hit the see the hit the hit the other person, and like a like dust come off their clothing, or their their clothing will move, and then they'll you'll see the reaction. In, um, instead of where in Western, you always see you see almost hit, then reaction without the actual contact. And with and with this one, especially in a certain church scene, <laughs> the the brilliant. Hit offensive 
And also negatively offensive. But still oh, yeah. positively offensive scene. But you see almost every hit in that, don't you? Some of the stuff, they even make up hits just to make sure they're as graphic as possible. Exactly. And I loved every second. Oh, okay, okay. So, not to go and cut into your uh, your love affair with uh, a very good movie that uh, is The First Kingsman. Uh, last week, and yeah. uh, actually, this isn't even a whole of last week. This is from Monday through today, Friday. Uh, we have had 54 downloads. Cool. Yeah, and it looks like... 48 unique viewers or listeners out of that group. So there's a few cool. repeats on there, but yeah, I mean, it's huge. Welcome to our semi-professional podcast. God damn it. Who knew there was an echo in the voice? I'm starting to wonder if it's an echo or if Tyler just has that thing set up with some sort of a time delay or something like that. Anyways, moving on though, going back to Kingsman. But yeah, uh, or and also to our unique downloaders. Thank you for joining us and thank you for... And hopefully you stick around. So. So also, you um, mentioned something else that you wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah, so. Um, oh, sorry. Before you do the Kingsman, yes, no, go see right now. Type of- I, I would definitely say it is worth seeing again. But I'll also say I'd be okay if this was the last one in this franchise. Like, it's still good. But I worry... And part of this is just because I don't think the trailer. From what I've heard, yeah, yeah, from sorry, from what I've heard, they're they're going to make it. A... Yeah, no, I I'd be okay with that if that's the case. I think it's going to largely depend on how the box office return is this time around. This is kind of a risky movie to go and give a sequel because though the first one is held in very high esteem, you know, it didn't go and really blow everybody out of the water in the box office. It doesn't have that high of a critic score and all that. So it's kind of, it's one of those ones where giving it a sequel is kind of questionable on there. And I would say that the trailers and especially TV spots have been almost ridiculous compared to the actual film itself. Um, And I think it set up false expectations because, yeah, going and saying this is a little bit more James Bond is definitely a fact this time around it doesn't have the same kind of outrageous moments it focuses on uh (laughs) i it it focuses on something i loved about the first one it focuses on characters and definitely introduces a lot of new and memorable ones but i don't know yeah the, the trailers make it out like it's going to be all about the characters and there is more to it than just that and I don't know, it's it's very predictable by comparison to the first one. Because the first one, I mean, just going back to that first trailer, you know, with the kids in the bar, and Colin Firth, and the umbrella assist. The umbrella. Oh, oh the God. umbrella. <laughs> the first one is just such a unique piece of Hollywood. And then this one here, it's still unique, but just not on the same level. It doesn't do like what Guardians of the Galaxy was able to do. Because the first one, I still stand by, might be, and I say this from an objective perspective here, it might be the best of the Marvel movies just because of the fact that it's one that you can keep watching over and over and over again. And both the stories, the characters, all the elements of it are strong enough that 
it can be watched over and over again without that being an issue compared to say one of the Thor movies where, okay, you see it once and that's for me personally, that was almost all the Thor movies. I've watched them once. I'm never going to probably watch them again. Yeah, no, the, the Thor ones. And I know, I know lady listeners are not going to be happy with me saying this as much as I like the actors in those movies. The stories have not been as strong as they need to be. If anything, they are just a bridge to other things. The first Thor movie was basically... Yeah, the first Thor movie was just setting up Loki as as the villain of Avengers. That is the only thing that that movie actually served to go and do. There were no other implications to the rest of the world that came along with it. I mean, even Iron Man 2 has had greater implications to that greater Marvel storyline than what either one of the Thor movies actually have done at this point. You know, all it did was introduce us to the red uh, Infinity Stone, you know, which is basically liquid in this one, which I'm still a little confused about. Uh, And the first movie just to introduce us to Loki as the villain of the first Avengers movie. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Yeah, it's just... I really like Chris Emsworth. I like uh, Tom Hiddleston. I love him. He's awesome. Yeah, no, they're... I, they're both great, and it's like I actually am really looking forward to Ragnarok. This looks like it will be the Thor movie that I've been waiting for. <laughs> give me, give me that epic fantasy sci-fi adventure. I have been waiting for that for a long ass time, and it looks like it's finally here. But uh, wow, I'm getting really off topic here because uh, we're talking about Kingsman. I, the first one is just as good as say uh, relating it to the Marvel films. Uh, it's as good as, say, the first Guardians of the Galaxy. It is such a surprise. It's such a charming film. And its best and worst elements are much like the best and worst elements of Guardians of the Galaxy. Whereas Guardians of the Galaxy is... It's silly, dumb, and goofy. And the worst part of the film is it's silly, dumb, and goofy. This one is violent and offensive and all-around charming. And the worst part oh, of the film is it's violent and offensive and all around charming. All around charming. Yeah. yeah, I love. So, in other words, I love the film already. Exactly, but the the second one definitely loses some of that. It still has, I would say, the charm of it, but it just doesn't feel as unique. And whereas Guardians of the Galaxy two, though I don't think as good of a movie as the first, still manages to be everything that the first one was and carries on the spirit of it brilliantly. This one here, it definitely feels like it was a movie that was demanded uh, by fans and by Hollywood that didn't have quite enough time to get fleshed out. It doesn't really have any of those huge dynamic moments. Could this also be another victim of overzealous editors? I really don't think so, to be honest. Because I know there's been a lot of films out there that that are amazing. But then the editors get their hands on it, and then they don't like how it looks, and then they convince the director, yeah, this is good. Yes and no. I mean, it's one of those... You do know I'm right about that, though. They have oh, done that. Oh, oh, God, yes. No, no, no. That is that is entirely a thing. Although, I will be honest, I'm starting to feel like that's more of a cop-out for some films, because there's a lot of bad movies that are getting blamed on that at this point, and it's like, okay... You might be right about this, but even I'm going to use Batman versus Superman as an example here because it's one that everybody knows yeah, is a yeah. sticker and shouldn't have been. Uh, the oh god, what what, what do they call it? The uh, the Ultimate Edition or something like that uh, that they released on DVD and Blu-ray. 
that is a decent film. It takes it from going and being a total stinker, adds about uh, 25 minutes of film that actually does make it a little bit more coherent, adds a little bit more to it, and it becomes a competent film. But that's not really saying that it's good either. Uh, or a great example here is Fanforstic, or the Fantastic Four reboot that came out, what was that, two or three years ago now? Uh, that one had almost, according to the director, over an hour of content that was cut out of the movie. And it's like, I can't imagine any scenario that's going to make this into a good film. So I, I think it's starting to become a bit of an excuse, though I do fully admit there have been plenty of cases on where what could have been a good movie was cut down by overzealous editors and became mediocre as a result of it just hit runtime. And in some cases, we lost media that might have actually made it into a good film. Um, God, uh, okay, I'm going to completely divert this conversation here just because I found out something a couple of months ago, and it is it has been driving me batty, and I've actually joined a community trying to go and see if we can find the missing footage. But, uh, Cole, what would you say is the most disappointing movie of our childhood? Oh, like, God. Yeah, like, like, just think about us. As Rangers. Think about us as fans. Oh, Think Turbo? about us. Yeah. Get this. So that movie barely clocks in at 90 minutes. What if I told you? Yeah, that was kind of weird. If I remember correctly, the first one almost hit two hours. It was pretty close. So 90 minutes is barely a television movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, what if I told you that the original cut of Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, was almost three hours long. So what? That's exactly the reaction I had. So, get How much this. do you want to bet that Jason David Frank has been pissed about this for 20 years? I, you know what's weird is that he's one of the few people I have not seen comment on this. So it, there's starting to be a little bit more Maybe motion. Maybe he doesn't to- even realize it. I, well, I know that he must realize part of it because part of what tipped people off to this is both in the comic that went and came out as a companion to the movie, uh, there was a ton more content in there, though most of the story beats still followed what was in the movie, just missing a lot of stuff in between areas, which you might explain as being just a comic thing. I think that's what most people thought it was at the time. But the VHS copy of the movie has a scene pictured on the back and it's of Tommy and Kat going and using a flamethrower on an alligator. It's like, where the hell was that scene in the movie? Well, as time's gone along, we've come to realize, and this has come from the director and the screenwriter, the original cut of the film was almost three hours long because it wasn't produced to be a... uh, in theaters movie, it was originally produced to go and be a television miniseries. So a two, so a two episode. Well, longer than that, it was supposed to be like a ten episode miniseries. Oh God! So there's a lot of stuff that's missing on there. And recently, Johnny Young Bosch went and posted on his personal Facebook some pictures uh, that were on the cutting room floor. Apparently, uh, cat going and turning into. Uh, uh, Zero Ranger 1 
she goes and turns into her. She went and turned into that as we saw her going and falling into the water. And then, you know, for some reason, the suit didn't go and survive. That crocodile that went and attacked them uh, was supposed to have shredded and uh, basically destroyed her ability to morph at that point. And something similar happens to Tommy while they're in the jungle and they need to be rescued by Adam and Aisha. Wait, so that whole that so all that that crocodile scene apparently, from the sounds of it, comes from the very from the from the what's the name of that damn character's name? The rescue of what's his freaking name? What's the name of that little munchkin thing? The key holder guy. Oh God! Uh, uh, God, I can't even remember. It was it was Widget Part Two. Okay, <laughs> it was Wicked Part Two. <laughs> Just. Wikipedia, you're my friend. Yes, yes. Go go look that up. Look that up. There go. Lirigot or Lirigo. L-E-R-I-G. Lirigo, yes, that's it. With the T that doesn't actually exist. Someone I think might have spelled this wrong, but it's Lirigo, yeah. I just realized I'm not following Johnny Young Bosch. That's weird. Problem. Yeah, what's wrong? Yeah, what is wrong with you there? But yeah, so there there is a whole bunch of stuff that is missing from that movie, and it was just edited out to go and have a palatable runtime. And there's a lot of stuff that they went and uh, shot last minute to go and fill in, uh, just to go and make up time. And there was a lot of stuff where they just went and did voiceovers to go and capture, or I should say to go and allow them to go and cut it down. One of them is the transformation to Turbo for the first time. Zordon had a much longer uh, monologue. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Because of them going, or because of a couple of them losing their Zeo powers and the power of the crystal being depleted. Interesting. And to be totally honest, I almost don't even remember them being in Zeo costume for that. I because you only see Yaisha or who was it? Was it Pink? Yeah, it was it yeah, was Cat. Yeah. I, I only ever remember seeing Cat like whenever with the very small glimpse you get of her costume that was Zeo, it almost looks like original pink. Yeah, no, it's that's just it. The only time that you see in the actual movie is when she's falling down the waterfall after she's, you know, had the snake on her, which like what where the hell did this come from? Like, how, how do you go from that into going and falling into the water and going and having your ankle get messed up? It's like, what? How? There was just so many weird things about that particular scene, and now we know it's because there's a lot of things that are missing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we figured that part out then. So, But that's interesting. I'll have to definitely keep an eye on, on that then. But uh, I'm trying to remember, there was something else that I wanted to bring up, but now I can't remember. Great, great, great. Oh, yes, bringing uh, new series that are coming up. Um, are you a Star Trek fan? I'm a Gene Roddenberry fan. I can't say I've always been in love with the Star Trek franchise as a whole, but I will say I am a fan of the worlds that Gene Roddenberry created, so sure. Okay. Are you interested in seeing what the Discovery I am. Because that, 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 uh, that uh, debuts...
I don't know. This is one of those things where I'm really curious to see. This is the first time that Star Trek is going to be on one of the major networks in a long time. But I don't know. The the thing that kind of concerns me about this particular iteration that we're looking at here is that there's a lot of chaos right now in that franchise. Uh, You know, the, the current star trek movie series has been a runaway success and breathed a lot of new life into what was considered to be a dead franchise after star trek nemesis now mm-hmm. you know the enterprise tv series really never got off the ground like it had multiple seasons but that was more just because they kept throwing money at it hoping that eventually somebody would go for it but you know at the time it was on the cw and that was basically just oh upn and the wb got together and they went and had a tv baby and it's a bastard stepchild that was the way everybody looked at it at that time. So as interesting as I think this film probably will be, I'm admittedly a little bit concerned going and looking at I the promotional well. stuff. Yeah. I personally am as well. Um, like, for example, like I haven't heard a whole lot about this. I honestly didn't even realize that this was a thing until about two weeks ago um, when I saw the first batch of commercials for it. And, like, I've heard a couple of things from my roommate and a couple of things from, like, other things. It was like, oh, they've changed the design for Klingons. Okay. They, whatever. I was like, and, and there's a whole bunch of other things that are just like, okay, that's weird. Okay. Okay. Like, just a combination of things. And you're going, okay, then what the hell are we going to do? So, but personally, I'm going to give it a, give it at least a shot. But the thing that kind of, make, kind of makes me kind of interest kind of uh, laugh a little bit is that people are going it was like oh this is the first time there's a woman captain and then like people are like uh no <laughs> and then yeah. there's like okay okay and then there's like this is the first time there's a black captain uh no <laughs> the only way you're right is that this is the first black woman captain that's the only thing that's technically correct i, I gotta be honest one of the things that's kind of driving me nuts right now and this is in all of television as like i am all for uh i'm all for more black actors and actresses getting leading roles i am all for more female characters getting are getting these roles but it just seems like everything right now has become about god how, how do i say this tactfully like that's that's the hard part right now it's like how do you even talk about this stuff It seems like, especially on the networks, they are going out of their way to try and, I don't know, I. it just seems like they're going out of their way to try to promote these, I don't even know what to go and call them anymore. I mean, at one time they used to call them alternative lifestyles, but now that seems to be a bad thing. You know, LGBTQ is just a no for use term. It's, okay, I, I know where yeah. you're getting at this. Essentially, yeah. I'll, I'll try. I'll t- I'll take. I'll see if I can take it from take it. So yeah, you yeah, you, yeah, you. Yeah, you. See if you can clean it up. What they're doing is that they're trying to do is like the repressed type things. May it be, um, may it be, women's be taking center role, or it be. Or like, or the main actor is trans, or the main actor is this, or the character itself. That's another big thing. That's a different, completely different issue. We're not even going to talk about it. But 
it just the one it's along those lines. Yeah, I mean it's just once again, there's nothing wrong with this. I actually like seeing it, but just in terms of what things have become in terms of the population of characters uh, on these TV shows, it it seems like the focus is always on, oh, well, this is extraordinary because of this and that. It's just like you're marketing these things that you're doing in these shows like you're trying to appeal to a lot of the social justice warriors, you know, the pretty much what does. Yeah. yeah. Essentially what I'm saying is, it's like, Oh look, we're being nice. Oh, we're pushing these guys to the forefront like us. Yeah, no, that's just it. It's just, it's such basic level of appeasement. It's like, you know, when I want to go and see a black woman captain, when you go and make one, that is a character I want to watch. I want to go and see a strong female character, not because there's a demand for a strong female character, but because you wrote a good and strong female character. I want to and go it, and but see. Here's the, and here's the other thing. And, not, and this is the part that it was like, they want a strong female character. Okay. Oh, look, she just so happens to be black. That shouldn't be a big fucking thing. Yeah, that's just it. Like, honestly... It, you know, this is something that I think matters to us, uh, but not in the way that I think a lot of people are going to think based on my first statement. But look at the Power Rangers movie that just came out a few months ago. Mm-hmm. The worst part of it for me was honestly not anything having to do with the movie, including what I'm about to talk about that is in the movie. But it was the way that they were just the promotion for the movie became so much more about the fact that oh, well, we made Trini into an LGBTQ character. Like, that was the way that they were going and treating this whole thing. It's like, so you made Trini gay, and that's the only thing you're talking about in this film. And, like, personally, in my personal opinion, I was like, I have a lot of friends in that community. And personally, it was like, so to I. me, it was like when I saw, when I saw, yeah, exactly. And when I looked at that, when I first saw that, I'm like, Oh, you're making a big deal about this. Okay. Yeah. What, what am I was like, this is a big deal. Why? That, that's exactly my thing. It's like, I don't care who's transgender. I don't care who's gay. I don't care who's a man. I don't care who's a woman. I don't care. Okay, well, I, uh, I'm going to go and cut off my, cut myself off from some of the other things I could go and say there. It's like, well, actually, no, I do care about those things. Uh, pedophiles are not appreciated. I know there's a big push to go and make that a thing now in Hollywood. Let's stop before that ever gets off the road. Uh, Agreed. <laughs> Moving on. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, the, the thing that I hated when it came to that movie was just the fact that the month beforehand, which is the most critical time to be promoting a film, it was bad television spots. And the producers, the studio, everybody talking about the fact that, oh, well, we've introduced a you know LGBTQ character. And they were going and using that terminology, which just drives me up the wall. Oh, yeah. A, here's another thing that annoyed yeah. the crap out of me. Well, that I'm sure it was like, okay. This is the thing I hate, always hate about Hollywood, especially in the fact when it comes into interviews. And you can see you've seen seen this over the past years, like um, uh, what was her name, uh, Delvine. Um, trying to remember her name, fairly well known actress. Um, she was at, but I can't. She was in like Paper Towns stuff like that. And one, and she's also in one of the, the Fifty Thousand Planets type thing. You know, I can't the 
you know, I think you know what we talked about it before. It was the planet? It was like the one, the planet of a thousand races or something like that. Oh, oh yes, uh, Valerian. Yes, the, Valerian. Uh, yes, but yes. you know the the female actress in that. Yes, That's yes, the, one that, the, the yeah, forgettable Carla one. Delvin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, I know exactly who it is though. But anyway. She's like that's an example that like this she's had to deal with like you get the same questions over and over and over, and she made a joke one time in the in the whole like a whole thing is like so have you read the book? No, I've never read the book. Like well, that, comics, like, but yeah, <laughs> but but everybody got really mad at her because it's like oh, it's like, but then the author who's a good friend with her and who was on set for most of the film was like. No, I understand that we're good friends. I've literally she we've she's read the book like six times. We've talked about this, like, but I, but he and I understand why she was getting ticked, like that type of thing. But at the same time, and, and you're going like this, and like, and 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 then within that last, going back to the actual topic though, in that last month, when they announced it was like, oh, we have an LGBTQ community. I saw a couple a couple interviews with the girl who played, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but played who played Trini. And she was just getting annoyed. <laughs> that all the focus was being on that one iota of her character. Yeah, no, totally gotcha there. It's just it Yeah, I mean it's just Hollywood going and pandering and they're just trying to go and bring in this different audience or go and come off like they're more inclusive or they're better in some way uh, because they're including this stuff. And I think in some respects it's actually painting a really negative perspective of the people in that community because I I really actually do hate the term LGBTQ and whatever you know extra letters people want to go and throw on there. Just start calling yourselves the alphabet guys. It's like (laughs) let's just encompass everything if we're really going to be going that route. But I don't really like it because it's trying to go and wrap all of these very different issues together and very different lifestyles, perspectives, emotional tones. It's trying to go and wrap all that stuff into one. And each one of these demographics has very different concerns, very different issues, though there are a lot of common threads between them. I could say that about most of humanity as well. And whenever I see Hollywood making a big deal out of these things, it's like, so you're trying to pander to them or because you've made a bad movie or bad TV show or you made a bad character that represents these things, you're now going and painting that community in a bad light because you made such a big deal about it. That's something exactly. that drives me nuts because, like you said, we have friends. We have fr- some of our friends who have been on this podcast go and fall under that spectrum. And we're very protective of them, like we are with everybody. It doesn't matter if you're straight, you're gay, you're trans. It doesn't matter. Whatever we, title that you decide, you decide you're, you, that you see yourself as. Yeah, ultimately, yeah, ultimately what you are, though, is a person. And we believe in certain things. One of them is that you're a person first. Your title is something you can go and identify with. But I'm going to treat you like a person no matter what you are. I am going to treat you as good as I can unless you do something to not deserve my best. And that takes a lot to go and get me there. There's a lot of people that I don't agree with out there in the world that I still give the benefit of the doubt. That's the thing. Yep, I can definitely see that. Yeah, and I hate whenever I go and see that stuff. And it seems like so many shows on television are just about that. Or they masquerade as these things and try to go and bring in these elements, but they're not actually trying to do that. You could tell it's just some sicko in the writing department. It's just like, 
hey, I really want to go and have a hot lesbian scene in this show, and it totally doesn't fit at all, but I'm going to do it anyway, and then we're going to go and market it this way. So nobody will be upset with us for it. I think I know what film you're talking about. Yeah, there's a couple of films and TV shows I'm talking about with that is one. That, it's like, is that specifically the one I'm thinking is the one we saw. Yeah, like Atomic Blonde. The worst part of the movie is this really weird lesbian angle that if you cut it out of the entire film, it would have no bearing on the rest of it. Like, at all. It's just like, why is this in there? It just extended the runtime on there. It just, though I will admit the music they chose for the scene was very good. And it was arguably tasteful. And, you know, it was definitely Charlize Theron. Yes. But I digress. Um, It didn't make a lot of sense in the film. It wasn't necessary. And I just, I don't understand why they felt that that was the direction to go with that. Other than... I mean, it's David Filcher. I mean, the guy, I believe, firmly is a pervert. And you know what? As long as he keeps making movies like that, I can live with it. Because he makes good movies. But it was just an unnecessary element to go and have in there. And there's a lot of TV shows where it's just, oh, well, all these characters are just gay for some reason. It's like, huh, that that 3 to 6% of the population has suddenly become like 40% according to this show. I, um... I don't necessarily feel like that represents them well. I mean, most of the time it doesn't because the guys who are writing about it don't understand those issues or can't go and tackle them. I, I'm, I'm going to go on to a little bit of a rant here about my least favorite show of last year, which is a reboot of one of my favorite shows of all time, Powerpuff Girls 2016. Uh-oh. Yeah. Cole, have you have you seen or no. heard anything? No. <laughs> That's a good thing. It is one of the most disappointing things that I've ever seen come out. And I, I know there's going to be some people that listen to this and just go, oh, Rob, why are you getting bent out of shape about this? They they even said they wanted to bring this out for merchandising reasons. They wanted to bring it out for toys. And yes, I fully believe that's the case. But the guys who are helming this reboot, they they think that they're social justice warriors. They think that they're capable of going and tackling these big issues and being able to do it in a tactful way. And though I will say a show like Steven Universe has managed to tackle some of these issues in a human way, one that everybody can relate to, not just a small subsect of the population. Powerpuff Girls 2016 has repeatedly tried to go and tackle weird, both weird subjects and important ones to a lot of different communities and has not been able to do it well. Their girl power message is so off base. It actually ends up making, it makes that 90s motto seem like a pipe dream. All the female characters in there just come off as inept and stuck up. They even wrote out Miss Bellum, who is one of the smartest characters in the entire show. Though she was definitely a curvaceous woman, the joke about her, it's in her very name, Miss Bellum. The sexiest part of a woman is her mind. That's a, that's Craig McCracken, the original creator of the show's line when it comes to her creation. And she was written as the smartest character in the entire show. She was not an overt sexual creature. She was not – she was basically a joke. But it was one that was done really brilliantly because it made this great, strong female character who was a mentor to the Powerpuff Girls – in this one, they wrote her out in the first episode in the form of her having enough vacation days racked up to go and never show up in the show ever. Then, 
as time's going along, they do a couple of weird episodes. The girl power thing doesn't work. They're going and making men look bad. And they're making, I think, the women actually look worse by trying to overcompensate. And then you had this horrible episode with a horse that wants to be a unicorn. And I'm not even going to go into the nature of the plot because it is so insanely bad. And they said they were promoting this episode like it was their episode on transgenderism. And it's like, how did any of that have any bearing on this? You promoted this like it was going to be some big social movement or it was going to be some great point of education. And it actually ends up lessening the entirety of that community because of what's in that episode. And their follow-up episode did even worse. It's just... I hate... Sounds when, disappointing. Oh my god. And that's that's honestly just like the tip of the iceberg. That's the one that drives me nuts because a friend of mine is transitioning right now. I have a lot of friends that you know identify as being transgendered, but in particular, my one friend who I won't name here is transitioning from she to he. She's going through the procedure. She's going and uh, getting the surgery. And all that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is this is the textbook definition of transgenderism, and that episode and the one that followed it up are actually aggravating to me. Because they try to tackle a subject that they themselves, the writers, didn't know how to handle. And they promoted it like it was going to be some big deal. And it not only is a letdown, but it just makes everything look like it's just a cry for attention from that community. And that's not what these things should be about. It's, it doesn't reflect on them well, and it actually ends up, I think, hurting things. And now they're going even a different route with that. Last weekend, and I want to make a point, I'm pretty sure the show is actually canceled at this point. They confirmed a second season before the first one even premiered, and the ratings were so low after the first week that they hardly did any reruns of any of the first season episodes. They just came out with a uh, television movie special called The Power of Four, where for the last about two weeks, they were going and promoting, oh, there's going to be a fourth Powerpuff Girl, and she's going to be an adolescent, and she's going to be black. Okay. What? <laughs> and not that there's any problem with these things, except for the way that it was written is so... You know what? Actually, I'm not even going to go into this. I'm going to encourage people not to watch that, because I don't want to go and give Cartoon Network and the, her, and the creators of that reboot any more attention than they deserve. But I want you to go onto YouTube, go and look up Rebel Taxi, and go and click on Pan Pizza's uh, review of that movie special. I am a fan of this guy. He has very good perspectives on the shows that he's reviewing. Really interesting guy. I can't say always the best, but I like his style. He's entertaining. The review that he posted on Monday, a day ahead of his normal uh, posting date, it is one of the most fascinating things because I had to go back and watch that episode just to go and see, oh my god, is Pan just going and trolling me? It cannot be this bad. No, it is worse than he describes. At least Pan is entertaining in the way that he is going and throwing it out there. So, I know I've gone into a bit of a rant here. I'm sorry. This is one of those things that drives me nuts. I love 
I, I love my friends. I love the people in that community. I think there's a lot of good to be had, but I hate the way that Hollywood and different activists and organizing groups are preying on them for their own selfish purposes, whether it's to make money on television or in the movies or just to go and get more political powers and organization and do nothing to help the community. That's something that drives me nuts and something that I try to fight against. And yeah, that's, um, I've gone on a Cartoon Network rant again. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Um, but yeah, just going, my book, yeah, going back. So going back to Star Trek, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but in the but in all seriousness, seriousness, no, I'm, I'll give it a shot. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully, it doesn't suck. Da, 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 da. Anyway, moving back. So, what was this other thing you wanted to talk about? Since it's kind of related to TV. Oh yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, what we were going to talk about today, and once again, got ourselves a little bit thrown off here. Uh, we wanted to talk about uh, Marvel television projects because. It's kind of been going downhill for a while. Like, it started off really strong. Well, I can't say necessarily started off really strong. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. premiered, and there was definitely a lot of promise in that. Um, the first season started off, I'd say, really slow and kind of obnoxious. Ended pretty solidly. Season 2 was really good. Season 3 was pretty solid. Season 4 was... Definitely darker and a little what the fuck, but still showed promise on there. But it's kind of been on the decline. Then you have the, what we'll call Netflix originals, even though you guys know I, there's very few actual Netflix originals. It's just that's where these shows are being hosted now versus regular television network. Uh, so you've got the Netflix Marvel shows with Daredevil, uh, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Iron, Iron Fist. Fist yeah. yeah, and now the Defenders. And whereas the first season of Daredevil premiered with great viewership and maintained... That's all I could hear people talking about for like two, three months. Because it was legitimately great. They did a fantastic job with that show. They really managed to go and capture the essence of that. They had great casting. The writing was very good. Season two was, once again, really solid on there. I don't think as good, but definitely of quality once again. Then you had Jessica Jones, which was another show of quality. I would say as good as Daredevil Season 2. Then you had Luke Cage, which was not quite as good, but still really solid. And then you went then you went and had Iron Fist, which I still don't know what was wrong with Iron Fist. I have some theories, but I'm still not sure what was wrong with that. And then we've had The Defenders, I which have, is yeah. good again, but not as stellar even as the first season of Daredevil. And now we've got the Inhumans that's getting ready to premiere, and everybody's confused. Has it already been canceled? Because they've had some posters out there for the IMAX premiere, which I guess has not gone well. I, I need to look more into this, admittedly. Uh, and see looking if I into that details. same article that you're talking about, apparently it's been apparently they've ha it's been debunked already. Apparently it just it's been or they're just talking about it, uh, or maybe it's just the posters have been like this the entirety of the time that. Uh, that the poster, like the stuff is going out. So maybe they're just, I don't know, maybe they're just misreading it or something like that. So who knows? Well, I, it, here's the thing. So for anybody that's not aware, so the IMAX event, all the posters for it have said uh, complete series coming to ABC this date, which 
there's nothing wrong with that. The thing is, people are now looking at it because uh, the early audience previews have been um, somewhat harsh and critical of the show. Uh, because of that, people are going and reading the complete series, and they go and think, oh, does that mean that this is contained in one season? There's no chance of a continuation? Is it dead on arrival? It's like, oh. But it's been that way... It's been that way really almost from the start. Um, I did find one poster that didn't say complete series coming soon. Yeah, watch just the premiere. September yeah, watch 29th. The, yeah, yeah, watch the premiere this date. But people have been reading into that, and it's definitely making for an uphill battle for the show, especially with uh, Fox's The Gifted uh, going and taking a lot of its thunder with a really stellar trailer and a really good uh, critical response to the, per- or to the first episode pilot. Interesting. Yeah, because I'm just looking at this, and, and I, a lot of people are comparing it to, like, or once again comparing it to the kind of the downslope that Marvel independent independent films have been going ever since, uh, ever since they kind of went onto Netflix. In comparison to like how people say that, like the net, net apparently according to the ratings, the Defenders is the least watched Marvel show on Netflix. Yeah, and looking into it, I mean, it's. It's not even really close. I think Iron Fist really hurt the show, or I should say hurt the franchise a lot, because it's not very good. It's not bad, but it doesn't match up to the three previous projects that have gone on there. And I think because of the quality of the first three, even though they've been seeing declining viewership as time goes along, which does tend to happen, the longer a project goes, generally speaking, the less viewership there is. We're also starting to see that now with the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. We're seeing international numbers growing in markets that didn't have the stuff beforehand. But everywhere else, we are seeing uh, actual number of tickets sold declining slightly, not as fast on there. But it's just because people are getting kind of bored of it. It's like, okay, there's only so much of this same story we can go and handle. Uh, But when it came to Iron Fist, it was the week it premiered the most binged show in in Netflix history. And then saw a big decline week after week and week after week because I think it wasn't very good and there wasn't that, oh, hey, you need to go and watch this. Like Daredevil, people wanted to see what that was going to be like not being on a network because there's a lot more potential to be able to do things. And they fully utilized it. They didn't take it to a full R rating or anything like that, but they were able to go and have more luxuries they wouldn't have been able to do on a basic cable channel. And Jessica Jones, a lot of people didn't know that character, so they watched it, and they were like, oh, okay, I like this. I didn't realize this was connected to all of this. And then Luke Cage, the power man, as some people refer to him, that's a character that a lot of people have been clamoring for, wanting to see on the big screen since the Avengers movies were announced. It's like, this is a fan-favorite character, so people wanted to see that. Granted, more heavy comic book fans and people that went and saw the end of... uh, uh, Jessica Jones, but that's something that people wanted to see. And then there's Iron Fist, another fan character, one that's, you know, people like, especially in conjunction with Luke Cage. And that doesn't live up to the expectations. It's like, oh, okay, this is over. Plus, Netflix hasn't been producing as high level of quality stuff as they were before. Which does seem kind of weird. Yeah, which I'm not even gonna argue on that side of things. Like, I'm 
Netflix started off with a lot of promise because they produced a very small number of series and their intention was to produce at a very high quality level. Uh, at the time, the guy in charge of uh, going and developing programming for Netflix with original content, uh, their intention was to be the next HBO. That's the way that they saw it. That's why House of Cards and Orange is the New Black, the first seasons were so phenomenal. Like, but even but you can't say that the Orange of the New Black hasn't like the, apparently that's still that's still amazing. It's it's good, but it's I personally it's, haven't watched it. But no, well that that explains a little well, bit. I, okay, I've watched like one episode, and I thought it was like, oh, this is pretty good. That, here's the thing: so I really like the first season. Season two was pretty good. The latest seasons have not been up to the same standards. They're <sighs> trying to think of the right word to go and describe it, but. I think it's taking itself a little too seriously at this point. And that's hurting it because a lot of the original peel is kind of disappearing. And though I think a show like what they've become could work. There's not a lot of the rabid fans out there anymore for it. Like when season three of Orange is the New Black premiered, everybody was just like, oh my God, I can't wait for this. It's going to be great. They're reviewing parties. The latest season... Just people have not flocked to it the same way, and it just has not been the ratings juggernaut that it was before. Uh, House of Cards is about the only one I think that's really maintained itself, but that one, I think for very different reasons, because that is a show all about the disgusting nature of DC politics. And I have heard <laughs> I have heard multiple actors and actresses that have uh, worked on that show going and saying that they've gone to DC and talked to congressmen and heard about things as like, we thought that we were going and making the worst depiction of what things could be. And there are things worse than this that actually exist here and that they're disgusted by that one. I think are still works because the writers have so much material to go and work from. And because Kevin Spacey is an amazing actor and, I mean, this is a guy that could go and read the phone book and his commentary in between every person and what they sound like would be enough to go and entertain me for however many thousands of hours that would take. But yeah, I mean, Hemlock Grove also started off good and it's just kind of faded off into obscurity. Uh, you know, McKenna goes and talks about Sense8, which nobody watched it. Nobody really cared about it. I'm sorry, I know there's a couple of diehard fans, but... People just didn't go for it. I tell you, I've been hearing a whole, I heard so much good stuff on, but I never got around to watching it. It's a weird one because it was only after it got canceled that people actually went out and started watching it. And even then, so th this falls a little bit into conspiracy here, but shows like Sense8 that were not getting great reception from viewers of Netflix or The Get Down. Uh, which was another canceled show, uh, Marco Polo. All of those shows weren't getting great uh, critical reception, especially from their regular subscribers and viewers. And Netflix has recently changed to a uh, metric system where they're trying to go and figure out, okay, well, what if based on what you've watched before, we think there's a 93% chance that you'll like this versus their previous star ratings that they had before and trying to make recommendations that way. 
they've gotten rid of those ratings because they're putting so much money into developing programming. And whereas their focus used to be on having this Oscar-worthy level of production design and writing, it's becoming more about maintaining subscribership. And part of this is because... Oh, God, I can't believe I'm going to even bring this up here again. But Netflix's uh, model, though very strong right now, is an extremely fragile one because they don't have any other revenue streams. Uh, This last weekend, we went and had the Emmys and The Handmaid's Tale won uh, an Emmy Award. It's the first. I will not watch that film, by the way. (laughs) I, I I I will. I'm going to say this right now, and I haven't said this. I went after I finished high school. Um, I re- I went back to school, did some extra, do some redoing courses, so that I could get some better marks. Um, the English class that I did required me to required you to read that book. I looked at the cover. I read the synopsis. I read the review, and I'm like, "Fuck no! I'm not reading this book." Um, it was 20% of my final. I left that part blank. I had no idea. Yeah, I don't, my parents are still really ticked off at me because the teacher actually used to be a family friend, is a family friend. So they told her, she told, but yeah, I have a great detest for that book because I don't like the message it holds. Or just the way that it kind of projects the world, because I think that's kind of weird. It's a very, very weird. So, yeah. But anyway, moving on. Sorry, I forgot the push to talk again. But yeah, that, that show winning that Emmy Award was such a big deal, because even though NBC definitely... Uh, Definitely still shows that it has some critical attention uh, coming its way. None of the other major stations got that kind of buzz. And while there have been some nominations for a very small handful of, quote, Netflix original shows, uh, things are different than, uh, or how do I put this? They're not getting the critical attention that they so desperately want. Because, quite honestly, there's almost not a reason to give them. Uh, there's not enough, or there's not enough reason for them to go and win these kind of awards. The Handmaid's Tale is it is an uncomfortable show to watch, and it yes, sets. And that's it, why I refuse to read the book because it's even more uncomfortable. Exactly, but you know what? It does exactly what it's trying to do, and that works really. <laughs> that's really the standout part of it versus and I will go and say I think the House of Cards was robbed but I can't say as good as Orange is the New Black or as good as some of the recent se- or later seasons of House of Cards have been I can't say that they're necessarily up to the level that deserves that uh, either they're not Netflix isn't developing programming that way. And part of it's because Netflix is actually developing very little of that stuff themselves now. They're working more into licensing stuff. And it's kind of freaky going and seeing it going from them going and spending all this money into uh, producing their own original content to now their models are more relying on 
third-party companies with projects that maybe weren't picked up by a regular network that they're going and jumping on and saying, we'll take it. We don't care on what or on how bad the criti- or, uh, critical response was to it. Or, oh, hey, you got a kid's show that nobody else wanted to go and put on. We'll go and take that crap. Yeah, they've gotten weirdly desperate lately. That That's just it. And it's because if they start losing subscribership, their stock price goes in tanks. And they go and fall apart because they don't have any additional revenue streams. Hulu has been much more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Selective in the way that they do stuff. As uh, well as more pro, pro, uh, what's proactive. Yeah, I would definitely go and say that because uh, going and seeing shows like, oh God, I can never remember what it is. The uh, James Franco one about the uh, Kennedy assassination. Mm-hmm. That show was unnerving but really brilliant in the way that it was put together and it got a lot of interest and critical acclaim despite i will go and say it got kind of dumb towards the end uh the mindy project that was one they went and saved when fox said hey we're gonna go and try shaking up our tuesday night block we just don't think this fits here anymore okay we're gonna go and take that good ratings on that they get commercial revenue from that they're able to go and be more selective with the stuff they do and because they're tied with a lot of the major networks they also have an easier time producing stuff because they can partner with them and still have it as a true original process. What we're looking at right now with Netflix, come 2019, if Disney launches their uh, streaming service, like they're saying, this is yeah, going to be... that takes so much away from, uh, from Netflix. Well, that's just it, because most of the Netflix, at least American audience, I don't know about the international side of things, because international Netflix is a little weird. I know even more so than Canada. But the uh, thing also with that, though, is that it also pisses off a lot of people that net, that uh, Disney is doing that because I'm like, oh, you want more money now? And you're trying or like, oh, they're spreading everything out over six different streaming services. What the hell? Like that type. Of- yeah, but I don't think that really that argument, though, in the moment sounds right. At the same time, it doesn't really hold water because they're the ones that created the content in the first place. They have the ability to decide where it's marketed to. And number three, the most important one, is despite Netflix going and promoting shows like Daredevil as a Netflix original, it was never really an original for them anyway. It isn't even the only place that's broadcast. It's just the American broadcast source. Mm-hmm. You, know, you go and look at uh, How to Train Your Dragon, Race to the Edge. That's, that is a show that is a Netflix original series for most of the world. But if you go over to uh, the UK, uh, my understanding is they're actually still broadcasting that uh, on Cartoon Network. Despite that going and being a quote-unquote Netflix original project, they don't have the uh, uh, distribution rights for all of the DreamWorks television animation stuff that Netflix has here in the US. The licensing just did not go that direction because Cartoon Network had an agreement with them. Some stuff that was shown on Nickelodeon here, like the Penguins of Madagascar, is shown on different channels in other countries. And because of that, it's not available on Netflix in those countries because they've got contracts with other places. So to go and blame Disney for wanting to go and control their own intellectual properties and to go and host them on their own service, 
their contracts only her their contracts were only guaranteed for so long or a period of time anyway. Netflix almost went out of business when Disney went or when Disney didn't renew contracts to have some of their movies on Netflix. They had to pay a huge amount of money in order to go and get those movies back on Netflix itself. And even as part of that, they had to go and agree to go and let them go over to other streaming services as well. Not all of them, but they had mm-hmm. to give up a lot of power on that. And it's because Netflix I think much like how Blockbuster thought they were going to go and rule the world of video rentals, I think Netflix thought for a while, oh, well, we're going to always control this market. Unfortunately, it's just not. You will have had competition even before you existed, and you're going to have competition for a long time to come. Disney deciding, hey, we're going to go and put our own stuff out there. They have every right to go and do that. They own that stuff. So you're not going to go and see a Netflix original going over to you know whatever Disney calls their streaming service. You're going to go and see a Disney-produced show that used to be on Netflix going on to their own home service. In the moment, it sounds okay. like, oh, well, Disney's going and you know doing this just to be a jackass and because they want to make more money. Well, no, Netflix doesn't own this stuff. They never have. They never will. They don't own those rights. So I guess you got a point there. Yeah, no, it's like, I don't want to take Disney's side on this because I like the fact that I have Netflix and I can watch that stuff on there. Although I will admit most of that stuff I buy on DVD and Blu-ray anyway because you never know when that stuff gets taken off online. Just saying, yeah, guys. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's called the Disney Vault. Yep. But anyways, moving back into that, though. Um, yeah, going back into Marvel. It's been weird. I don't know why they're why the quality has seemed to fall. I personally hope that it picks up again because some of the stuff is just amazing that they put out. Personally, I've, I love a lot of the stuff, the Marvel work that they've done. But they always bring such people that are passionate for what they're doing, both the actors and for the and the screenwriters and everything like that. And but but I don't know if it suits up 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 above like in the higher up that are going that are strangling it or if something else is going on but i hope it hopefully it picks it up because there's a lot of content that they can make that a lot of people would love to see and unfortunately if they keep going down this road they're not going to get any viewers for any of their new content and that's personally i think would be a shame oh i definitely agree with that and i don't think that you're going to see it go away necessarily but i do think that the quality will suffer. Uh, that's just it. I mean, we're already seeing the quality suffering. People are still really into it, but there's only so much that can be done. There's only so much you can go and do with these linear storylines. And because they are, so, are also invested in this uh, monodirectional storytelling, this interconnected universe stuff, eventually you're going to get to the point where it's just the same old thing. It just becomes, you know, oh, well, this is the new thing that's out there it's going to have to change at some point and become something more than what it is right now. And to be honest, in the case of the Inhumans, which I I really actually am not blasting the Netflix shows. I think it's actually sad that they're not getting, or that the defenders hasn't gotten better viewership. And I hope that people will go and give it a chance as time goes along and that it'll go and get better on the ratings and that they're able to do more with this stuff as it goes along. But in the case of the Inhumans, people are just confused by it because though these are relevant characters, they were planning an Inhumans movie for 2019. 
Then the series gets announced, so you got people already confused about that. You've got very negative uh, press going into, you know, the Medusa's hair and all that stuff. Uh, and people are just confused by it because it's a property that most people don't know. And it's one that they're just jumping into full bore without any easing into it. And part of it comes down to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which has been a successful show. Though it's suffering in the ratings now, it has been successful. The inhuman element in there, they have talked about and has been a very prominent storytelling point uh, way back in season two. Like, it has become the dominant storytelling point. They're going and using Inhumans almost as their answer to the fact that they don't own the television rights to Netflix. Or, sorry, not to Netflix, to uh, (laughs) X-Men. Wrong X. Uh, they're going and treating them as a special class of citizens, as a discriminated one, and one that I think honestly probably would be the case because some of these people have ridiculous powers. But isn't that essentially what the gifted is doing, though? Because that's from what I've seen from the uh, trailers, or not the trailers, but the commercials. That that seems like that's what it is. Yes, and in the case of the gifted, that is actually an X Men franchise. But the reason why that's a thing is because wait, wait, it's wait, not... wait. That, that's an X Men franchise. Yeah. Yeah, the gifted Jeez. is yeah, the gifted is not tied uh to any of the MCU stuff. It's not tied to any of their television series stuff. That is actually being produced uh the same way as uh oh god, why am I forgetting the series? I actually really liked it. It came out on FX last year. Oh god, Legion. Okay, geez, sorry about that. Uh <laughs> the name Word. is there. Yes, yes. Use uh, your words, Rob. Use yes. your words. Yes, sorry about that. Sorry about that. I just blanked on the name. It came out back in February. Uh, Legion, uh, which is uh, shown on FX, uh, that's being produced by 20th Century Fox because they own the television and movie rights to uh, the X-Men franchise. Back when Marvel was basically going out of business, they started doing a lot of stuff where they were licensing out their creative properties to other companies. That's how you ended up with Spider-Man over at Sony. It's how you ended up with the X-Men and Fantastic Four over at Fox. And there's a whole bunch of other properties nobody talks about that are owned by other groups. Is uh, Ant-Man one of them? Uh, no, Ant-Man uh, has always been an Avengers property on there. He has kind of bled into other things, but he's always been part of that group. So he hasn't, uh, he's not one that's owned by her, what owned or one that was owned by anybody else. Uh, just one that they didn't really have confidence could succeed. <laughs> Thank God it did. But uh, yeah, so you have The Gifted, which has gotten very good critical reception with the early previews. They did a Comic-Con and whatnot. Uh, Legion, which did extremely well. I mean, Rotten Tomatoes gave it, or on Rotten Tomatoes, it's 91% critic approved. Uh, IMDb, 8.5. TV.com, 7.9 out of 10. That's... That's hard to go and beat right there. That is a really solid showing on there. But part of that, I think, is because FX in particular, they are the second best production house, I think, right now on television behind HBO. And I think in the next couple of years, they could eclipse HBO as the best production house uh, with the stuff that they're going and doing. I think it's definitely possible. You know, right now, they're doing very well with the Game of Thrones stuff and all. But shows like The Leftovers haven't really managed to go and break the mold the same way. Uh, Silicon Valley isn't going and cracking uh, the ratings the way that it used to. 
And we're seeing some shifting in terms of what's on there. And the Westworld has definitely been well-received. We're one season in. Is that really going to be able to hold up more than one season? We don't know yet. HBO has had shows that haven't okay. quite worked out that way. Uh, but yeah, there's so many uh, so many things that, eight, or, sorry, the FX does that maintains quality and consistency season after season after season. That's actually a network that if something doesn't work in season one, They'll cancel it despite good ratings. You know, they went and did that with, uh, they tried an animated series kind of in the style of Archer called Chosen, which was, it was actually a parody, I think, of all the things I hate in Hollywood because they were directly calling out the fact that the show is about a white, gay, fat rapper uh, who went to jail and now is going and coming out and trying to go and get his career started again uh, on a college campus, going and crashing on his sister's uh, dorm room couch. It was a really funny concept, but they had nowhere to go after the first season. And despite it getting fairly good, her fairly good ratings on there, despite mixed critical reception, they got rid of it because they're like, "We can't do it again. We can't do another season of this." they did not go and have a good enough plan for where it was going to go. And because animation is so expensive and so time-consuming to do, they just weren't going to go and do it. Compared to a show like Archer, which got kind of a slow start, not great ratings, but showed a lot of promise, the writers had a plan for it for the next several seasons. They were thinking ahead, so they went and kept that around. Even The Strain, which I've watched all of it, and I'm generally happy with how it all came together, that show started off bad. But there was clearly a focus for where they were going. It got better and better and better as it went along. And FX went and gave that one a chance and kept it going. Compare that to a show like The Leftovers, which has never gotten good ratings, and HBO just kept it going until they went and hit a logical conclusion for the whole thing. Makes sense. Yeah, they they have a limit to what they'll go and put up with, but they'll keep going and throwing money at something and trying to make it a success, even if it doesn't really have the potential on there. And though I will go and say Mm -hmm. some of the greatest shows of all time, The Wire, The Sopranos, I'll definitely put Game of Thrones into the same area, even though I'm not the biggest fan of it. Uh, They produce some amazing content there. But I also see FX going and doing a lot of the same stuff. They're doing it on a much more strict budget on there. Uh, And I think they go and pump out more quality shows per year than HBO does. So that's more where my statement comes from with all of this. Uh, And that contrasts nicely with kind of what this started off with, with the Netflix stuff and how fragile a franchise uh, it could be. But, you know, that's just kind of my opinion here as well. You know, take it with a grain of salt, people. All right, then. I guess that's pretty much it, then. I guess that was semi-professional. Or not. Anyways, do you think that, do you want to end it there, Rob? I think this is probably a good place to do it. Oh, wait, yeah, uh, Tyler's not here. So uh, I thought he was going to be singing us out from now on. So does that mean I have yeah, we'll to do just, this? No, we'll, we'll. Oh, thank God. I think we have, I think we have an auto file. Hold on. But anyways, in any in any case, though, thank you once again for joining us us on Zio, uh, pa- uh, Soccer Rangers podcast. Um, hey, you finally got it right. Yeah, whatever. 
but once again, if you want to, of course, check us out on our Twitter, which somebody will check eventually, um, that is Soccer Rangers Podcast. Of course, you can always get a hold of us on our Facebook page. One of us is always atta- has, the, that is, has that on at all times, usually. So usually we'll get those messages returned immediately. Also, if you, we are also on iTunes. Finally! Again. We have a couple of our, we have almost all our this season's episodes up by now, I do believe. And of course, yep. you can check. Um, and of course, we'll be having some more interesting stuff coming in the future. So if you have, and of course, you can always get a hold of us at suckerrangerspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you once again for joining us, and we hope to see you next time. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. And hey, everybody, it's Robert from Soccer Rangers going and doing the charity calls. Uh, This time around, we're going to do something a little bit different. This is not an organization I've worked with personally, but something that I am very passionate about and an organization that actually managed to go and work through all of my checks. Uh, It's Donate Life America at DonateLife.net. This is a non-for-profit advocacy group for... uh, Organ donation is really what it comes down to. Uh, their focus is entirely on going and growing awareness as well as going and getting people actually to sign up for organ donation. It is something that thankfully has been on the rise here in America for a long time now. A lot of other countries are lagging behind, so we need to do our best to go and make sure that this grows itself internationally. Uh, really, about all you need to know is just that This is a really underserved market. Every 10 minutes, somebody is put on a waiting list for organ donation, and 22 people die each day waiting for organs. That's how short the supply is right now. There's a lot of things that can go and happen if you become an organ donor. Uh, Just things like lungs, hearts, kidneys. Just you by yourself could go and save eight people just with that by itself. Uh, your corneas, you can go and restore sight for people. And other tissue samples, especially uh, bone marrow and whatnot, you could save up to 75 people yourself. I know it's a little bit morbid thinking about our mortality and what we as organ donors are worth, but this is as noble a thing you can do. And, you know, depending on how you want to go and think about it, it's not like it's really inconveniencing you in the end. Okay, yeah, that is definitely a morbid thought, but... Anyway, I highly recommend you guys go and check it out, DonateLife.net. This is a great charity, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what kind of good they do in the future. DonateLife.net. Have a great week. Go and see you with next week's charity. Bye.